Thanks for tuning in to Art to Heart, where we delve into the creative minds of the artists in the Fort Wayne area. Each episode sheds light on the thoughts, feelings, and backgrounds of the artisans who bring pizzazz to Fort Wayne. Tune in for tips on tapping into your creative soul and for more information about upcoming events in the arts community. The artist you are about to hear from is the owner of a design and marketing boutique by day and a musician by night. Actually, he's also a dad, arts enthusiast, and clothing producer. In my short time in Fort Wayne, I have learned that this man is behind a handful of really cool elements. So here with me today is Matt Kelly. I can't wait to ask him all of my questions and share his success with all of you. Thank you for talking with me today, Matt. Flattered to be here. When did you first discover your love for music? Was it a particular band or genre that inspired you? You know, for me, so I liked music. Born in 1974, so I'm like right in the heart of Gen X, right? Mm. So when I was a junior and senior in high school, it was a, it was kind of the breakthrough. And like I remember when Nirvana broke, like I was I remember being a senior in art class in Nirvana, like the first time, like you know people were listening to like 80s music and then that happened so it was an exciting time to be that age for sure when there was like this kind of musical revolution happening mm-hmm. i didn't go all in on it though you know i kind of like nirvana and pearl jam but then some of the stuff that immediately followed alice in chains and Soundgarden, it just wasn't my thing and it wasn't until i was a freshman at iu and 18 years old and uh, i had a friend who still lived in fort wayne and we wanted to get together and so we said, let's meet in Indy for something. What should we do? And we said, hey, look, Bruce Springsteen's playing. Mm. And I didn't really know Bruce and his music <laughs> other than Born in USA, which everybody kind of knew. So we met in Indy December 5th, 1992 for the Springsteen show. And it just was so shockingly good to me. It was a three and a half hour show. I knew, you know, a quarter of the songs, but was captivated from beginning to end. And the passion that he had in, in performing and communicating his message it was mm-hmm. the best thing I'd ever seen. And I went back to IU. I was a math, I'd started as a math major, mm-hmm. changed my major from math oh, wow. to fine arts and English lit. And I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do, but whatever I do, I want to do something where I get to communicate ideas and I get to try to be as passionate about whatever I do as Bruce was about that performance. And so, and after that, then all I have ever done has been craving like and searching for moments, musical moments or otherwise, that have the same spirit of that performance. That's an incredible story. <laughs> so truly, though, I like December 5th every year. I It's more important to me than my birthday. And so I may make a bigger deal out of that than my birthday. And is Bruce still one of your idols? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's he, I probably listen to him a lot less than a lot of other music, but he, I still... Uh, follow when he's on tour. I, I I read reports of every single show and what and they're never the same, right? And mm-hmm. it's really you know. And he even like there are interviews with him where he says you know trust the art, not the artist. Mm. And I believe that sentiment. But there's something about him and the way that he's conducted his business and his career that I do feel like either he's keeping the skeletons in the closet or he's just done things <laughs> the right way. Right. You know, I don't really walk around with my what would Bruce do wristband, but I <laughs> think about it. Yeah. You know, we're doing this interview here in the B-side at our office, and we have a black velvet Bruce Springsteen painting on the wall there that I bought in 1993 after that concert. The following summer, I bought that, and that painting has been with me ever since in my apartments, in my home, now in this office. And it's like when I walk in or out, you know, I kind of wink at it and say, all right, Bruce. So it all all goes back to him. (laughs) 
That's incredible. And I, yeah. now I'm going to look at that painting every time I walk in, too. <laughs> your band is called the Legendary Train Hoppers. What is your role in the group? Okay, so we are a six-piece Americana band, and I play mandolin, and I play a little bit of guitar. I, I play what's called a high-strung guitar, a Nashville guitar, so it's, it's, it's tuned with the high strings from a 12-string set, so it's got a really bright, different sound. We have a lot of guitar players, so we got to do little things differently, <laughs> so we're not all just strumming. Uh, and I help write songs. You do? Yeah. And did you start playing after the Bruce Springsteen concert? <laughs> Indeed. So I bought a guitar right after I graduated college. My senior year, I really felt the call. I had a couple of friends who were picking up guitars. I knew that I would kind of, it was, it was a danger that I would become obsessed with it. So I thought, don't buy it until you've graduated. <laughs> and so I did that, that the day after, you know, I bought it from the B&B loan here in Fort Wayne. Oh, wow. and, uh, just a junky acoustic guitar. And I'm not very good. I, like, I don't have a good ear. I can't sing. I'm no lead guitar player. I just know some chords. But over the years, I was able to, I just did it for fun. And then I surrounded myself with people who really were good mm-hmm. that would help. I, I had ideas. I just couldn't execute ideas. Yeah, so they make you shine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's great. Upon releasing your latest album titled Family Tree, you mentioned that the band was forced back together after a hiatus. What brought you guys back together and inspired you to put together the album? Well, so we were active uh, initially from really 2005 to 2007, mm-hmm. about an 18-month window there where we were very active in Fort Wayne. It was an exciting time because this was it was right before the rail had its current ownership and CS3 didn't exist yet. So, but there was a change in the musical kind of landscape here away from just like cover bands yeah. and into people creating original music. I like to think we were maybe kind of part of that too, but, you know, playing more non-traditional shows, outdoor shows, all ages shows, your own songs. And you didn't have to play four hours of covers. You could play 90 minutes of your own songs. Right. And actually people showed up to hear it. It was super awesome and exciting. Our last show was the first down the line. Oh, which yeah. Which was an event that OLG helped put together. And then we were just done. You know, we had made one album. That, that band was seven people. It takes a lot to get seven people moving in the same direction, and we struggled to be able to do it a second time. We all kind of wanted the second album to be a little different. Yeah. And we were at different places in our lives, so it was difficult sometimes to get together and rehearse and, and have the band be as fun as we hoped it would be. So we just thought, okay, let's end with Down the Line. We, mm-hmm. we did. I never wanted to do the band without its original members. We had one band member who went away for a while right. and then later passed away. And oh. so... You know, we had opportunities to play, but when he wasn't around, I didn't want to do it without him. And then it came like, well, we're not going to be able to do it without him. And so I didn't think that band would ever perform again or do anything. And then I think all of us going through things in our lives. And I, my dad had a stroke 18 months ago. Mm-hmm. I had a dear friend who um, had cancer. And I was just watching things going on. And it just really, I, I kind of got to a place where I thought, I don't want to find myself one day looking back and saying, I wish we'd made the second album. Right. And so by chance, our, our lead guitar player, Phil Potts, who in the first iteration of the band, is amazing and hilarious, but he wasn't probably the leader of the band, but then he has really kind of like, he's taken the bull by the horns. With, it is the one that grabbed me one night and I rarely see him and he whispered in my ear, it's time. And we were all ready to, we just needed somebody to push us, to tip us and then off we were you know, rolling. Oh, man. I don't know if it really answered the question, but, you know, nine years that went by between mm-hmm. um, our last show and us getting back together. And um, 
we there were four of us from that original iteration of the band that still live in Fort Wayne, and mm-hmm. we quickly got back together and just started working on songs. And um, here in the B side, and we spent about six nine months writing oh, songs. Yeah. Every week we'd get together. You know, it, there's that there's a Dylan lyric where he says, "I was so much older then, I'm younger than that now." I think that's mm-hmm. how we felt, even though we would, ten years nearly had gone by, but we felt that it was just less. We were less precious about our ideas. Mm-hmm. We we're less serious about, like it's been more fun. Like we're older and we're more mature in a really good way, and right. people show up to practice on time and that stuff. That we have the, that nice. benefit <laughs> of maturity, but we have this youthfulness to the band that's like been really unexpected and and an open-mindedness mm-hmm. we're older we're more vulnerable so we will share ideas that are unfinished we will collaborate in a way that we're not overprotective of our own little things and so whereas that first album was okay there's a chris song there's mm-hmm. a dan song there's a phil song there's a matt song there's a matthew song now they're all co-writes that's and great. it's literally somebody will have a bit of an idea for a chorus and then somebody else will, will write the verses or somebody, you know, somebody comes in with a song idea and then they get up to use the restroom and by in their back and we've re, we've changed it. And we've, <laughs> it's in a different key and a different tempo and they're, they're cool with that. Yeah. And so this album is like our mutual ownership of it. Super awesome. And everything got better and better. There were iterations of stuff and somebody, you know, one guy had surgery, so he's out for a while and we mm-hmm beating up his songs. I had to go to a conference and they're beating up songs that I was part of, you know, and yeah. it's like all for the greater good. Yeah. Really. One thing that we've had to even learn at one, like a guitar is the idea that ideas must die. Right. Yeah. And they can be made better. And, and we're taught it's tough and art, yeah. you know, oh, you're yeah. so sensitive to criticism mm-hmm. or not, it not being perfect or whatever. But I, I mean, it's just been really cool to, and we draw a lot from Dylan too. And he's over the years, Dylan's gone back and released, outtakes and early versions of songs and it's and and if you see him perform live they're they're different again and it's Mm -hmm. like well maybe these things are not perfect constructions and maybe they live and breathe and change and that's okay yeah so even on family tree we have we actually did include two different versions of kind of the same song that Hmm. are somewhat radically different from each other because and it's almost like one is like you know uh, chris dodds from the band says the one is like it's the sun rising and then the other one, it's like the sun setting, and they they feel that way. They're alive that way, which is pretty neat. And where can we get this album? If you stream, it's on Spotify okay. and Apple Music and things like that. Um, we it's for sale at Neat 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 Records, and uh, we just day of recording here. We have our vinyl version of it now, so that's going to be in Neat 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 and Wooden Nickel. Mm-hmm. Our website's thetrainhoppers.com. How exciting! It's super awesome. Yeah. I should say it's super awesome. Actually, it is. That's what I'm really proud of. No, I, I, I would good. be too. What would you say for people who've listened to the old album and people who've listened to the new album? What differences will they be able to tell? Yeah. Well, you know, that's interesting. So the the band in its first iteration it was almost two different animals because it it was one thing when, when we played live, which was a really loose, wild raucous band inebriated mm-hmm. wonderfully so <laughs> we, we I mean we were all the, the the band and the people that came to see us it was it was just a it was a thing right it was like a living <laughs> organism and we were all together and arms aloft right and then we made a record there was kind of like this startup record label here in Fort Wayne and we mm-hmm. you know we'd start form the band we all had different bands and we formed the train hoppers as an outlet to write 
original songs mm-hmm. and to do things that were in this kind of Americana vein. Our other bands were rock bands. And so we, were ne- we weren't super serious about it. We just thought, well, let's just see where it takes us. And this kind of upstart record label like became attracted to what we were doing and, and actually sent us to San Francisco to record an album with, oh, wow. with a producer who is of note and has uh-huh. like a nice resume. Like his productions are very tight and meticulous and not loose and boozy and raucous like our live show was. And so if you hear the original album, it's, I think we're, it's really good and we're all very proud of it, but mm-hmm. it's, I guess it's, maybe it's slick. Okay. It's slick. And, and we weren't slick. <laughs> you know, we were there for a week and recorded it and then, and then he kind of finished it and mixed mm-hmm. it and did things that kind of, you know, kind of cleaned it up in a way. Right. And I always thought, one thing that was revealing was that producer who's a wonderful guy, but like on the his one of his claims to fame was he had worked with Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Beach Boys stuff around. Yeah, and the Beach Boys are amazing artists, right. Brian Wilson in particular. But there's a perfection to some of their recordings, and we were more like Rolling Stones' Exile on Main Street, which was the, the magic of that record is in its imperfections. Mm. And so I think probably. Certainly for me, like I, I always felt like that first album was too slick, too perfect, too right. Maybe everything not was in the right place. You. Yeah. yeah, and then you come to see our live shows, and they again they were just like raucous affairs. And so right. this album, we've attend, we you know wrote it in the B side, and so I guess for me, it, it feels more like us, and it feels more more like coming to see us live. And, mm-hmm. and right. So even now, certain things we do live with the songs are different than the recordings, but mm-hmm. you know. That's what Dylan would do, so it's okay with that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's obvious from everything that you do that you love to create. Besides your involvement with the legendary train hoppers, you've been part of the creation of several festivals, opened OLG, co-created the clothing line The Good Ones, opened up the B-side for intimate professional performances, and are always willing to lend a hand with other organizations' projects through in-kind work and volunteerism. Where does that creativity and internal drive come from? <laughs> I guess I just I'm uh, defiant about expectations and uh, stereotype and glass ceilings and I think that I'm proud of Fort Wayne mm-hmm. I'm proud of how much Fort Wayne you know I moved back in 1996 and again I was like the you know that Gen X generation so like you know singles or or uh, reality bites you know and everybody was hanging out <laughs> on a Henry's and like yes snarking and complaining and grousing about things and then you know certain people left because they hated Fort Wayne you know but then it's there but people who stayed started kind of doing stuff and you know that in that era like you know like Kevin Hambrick who has the band Orange Opera mm-hmm. or Corey Raider and Johnny Camarado who then are the ones that bought and opened the, the brass rail like mm-hmm. people who stayed started kind of doing stuff to like you know change what was happening here and, and who believed in it. And right. it was, ex- it's been very exciting to me to be kind of part of that. However we can be. And I guess like the drive to do all those things has been a defiance of if somebody said, well, you can't do that in Fort Wayne. Mm. Like I hate that. So then yeah. I just feel like hopefully sometimes we're smart enough to show that we can, but even if we're not smart enough, then we believe that we can just work harder yeah. and longer and hope you know again hopefully it's like it's smarts but sometimes it's just pure willpower too and like an unending drive to like prove somebody wrong (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know what i mean that's a big part of it it was part of it with the train hoppers when people are like well you guys are in your you know cover bands now you're gonna write original songs and they're gonna be kind of country sounding Mm -hmm. and you think people are gonna come see it and it's like okay yes we believe that this has 
purpose to it and it's a beautiful thing. And the, the same was true with OLG. Like there are a lot of things that are non-traditional about this ad agency that you wouldn't think you could do from Fort Wayne. And they don't all work. They don't. You know, yeah. There's a lot of failure in all these things that you've mentioned. <laughs> but we fight and pick ourselves back up and nobody like who's involved in the train hoppers or the good ones or one lucky guitar or a lot of these organizations that we support or are a part of like nobody wants easy right. right nobody wants to kind of just get up and like have a day that they can phone it in and get through there's a desire to have every day really count and feel like it's vital to the to what we're doing and 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 that's exciting mm-hmm it's stressful sometimes too, you know, like (laughs) a lot of pressure. Yeah. So you don't find yourself creating just to create so much as you create to cause change or for purpose. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think, yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, we have touring musicians that come through the B side that have never thought about Fort Wayne before. have thought about Fort Wayne and it being in Indiana in a particular way. And they're become enamored with the space. They they tell their friends and then their friends call and want to play here. And that's, pretty cool i also like i said with getting the band back together like i i don't know if i'm in a midlife crisis or what but i do think like (laughs) legacy about the legacy of what we create right and that's something that i feel you know i I love story i love storytelling i feel like there's a story about well gee there's a story about the beast there's a story about this band i feel like i'm interested in that story and how it will outlive me and how it will affect my kids or the kids of people who are involved in any of those entities and hopefully inspire them to push the boundaries even further. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a second ago that you have been bringing artists in here to the B side that may not have had Fort Wayne on their map prior to you bringing them in. As an artist myself who's performed in the B side, I know I think it's an incredible space to perform. What is the feedback that you usually get from these out of town artists? Yeah, it's been really incredible. And so uh, Fort Wayne has amazing venues. Large, very large venues, you know, the Coliseum's nationally renowned of arenas that size, the embassy's world-class, Brass Rail, you know, one of our favorite bands goes the Brass Rail, the CBGBs of the Midwest, mm. and many, and, you know, outdoor venues like Rock the Plaza and Follinger and all these things. There, there are so many great performance spaces in Fort Wayne. One that we, that felt like we were lacking was a, when we think about it musically, it was almost like it's a listener room. Right, it's a a room that where a very intimate performance can take place, and it's all about that performance. So mm-hmm. you can jam an intimate performance in some of our existing clubs or bars, but either inevitably there's kind of a chatter level that's mm. of a certain volume, or bar is operating in a certain you know clinking and clanking. Right. And there's I love that, I do, mm-hmm. I, I'm a fan of that. But it felt like we lacked a room that was purely about that, and right. so we started having performances here. Really started. From us using, you know, OLG has, still does, and and certainly in its history, did a lot of work for different musicians and record labels. And some of those folks are the first ones that performed here. Mm -hmm. We reached out to them and said, I see you're in Columbus and I see you're in Chicago and have a night off in between. Will you play in our office? You know, (laughs) it's like you had, and then we'd take photos of it and they're like, oh, okay, it's not like a, not cubes here. Yeah. And so they come here and they, in Columbus and in Chicago, they're in a loud room that people are maybe, you know, and if these are women and men who have really crafted and believe in this song they're singing and people aren't listening to it, when somebody really is, it means the world to them. Oh, yeah. To be able to share that and to be be in an intimate space. 
and since we're not a bar, you know, we it's BYO here, and people are either bringing a you know a carafe of coffee or <laughs> a little six pack or a bottle of wine or right. whatever. And there's a little bit of activity beforehand with kind of hanging out and afterwards with you know artists selling merchandise. But we're mm-hmm. not a we're you're here just for the performance, and so people hang on every word, and you can hear a pin drop and. Artists love it. I mean, they, yeah. you know, the last show we had was this Chuck Prophet, and you were there, and mm-hmm. you know he's from San Francisco. He's performed all around the world, and he was so smitten with this room. Like he, you know, he's the next morning he's in his hotel room. And he's just emailing Emma and I from the mm. team about with ideas of what he wants to do when he comes back. Oh, great! And he's got this uh, his previous album. He had it arranged for guitar and string quartet mm-hmm. has barely performed anywhere like one space in san francisco and that's it because there's not a, the right place where i'm coming back to fort wayne i want to do that and oh yeah it's just like we captured his imagination that's happened with many of our performers are repeat performers and mm-hmm. it's been it's been amazing it's been oh, and it's yeah. good you know it's good branding for fort wayne too and mm-hmm. you know we dream of what it can be next is this like could this be like a day trotter thing if we're like recording some of these performances mm-hmm. like would it become a place where it's like Okay, you, perf- you perform here, and we're going to record three of the songs and video too. You get content out of it. We could have a website. You know, it can mm-hmm. grow and be something pretty cool. And then with like what you've done with Dance Contemporary, the University of St. Francis has used it a couple times for oh, really? guest readings. Okay. We've had stand-up comedy in here. Like it's a space that we've, when we see somebody like Dance Contemporary who's doing an amazing thing in our mm-hmm. community and needs spaces like this to perform in. Right. Like we're, we welcome those kinds of, uh, organizations and groups to mm-hmm. be to, to do things here so i know Kara and allison enough to be mm-hmm. comfortable handing them the keys and saying yeah. make it feel like you want it to feel yeah and they do and it's been it's been amazing you know oh yeah we're really grateful for it as you mentioned things get lost sometimes in a large theater setting yeah, yeah. so yeah. intimate setting is really great for artists to be sure that you are getting your message out you know i hate when you go to a concert and everyone around you is singing louder than the artist. And yeah. the artists don't like that either. Right. Yeah. And I will say, I mean, my confession to you, I didn't know a lot about dance mm-hmm. before you guys performed here, the kind of dance that you were performing. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I just wasn't sure what to expect. And I just was, uh, I was moved by it. I just felt like it was amazing to me. And, and also in, in a room this size, like I could just... You could feel the physicality of it. You could yeah. hear you guys. You could see what it took. And it was just so it was so impressive, but also like emotionally moving. And that's what I hope the B-side, I hope people would just say, I'll go to the B-side to see anything. It's going to be programmed so well that whether or not I know what I'm getting into or not, I know that the experience is going to be intimate, mm-hmm. artistic, fun. One of a kind. Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't checked out the B-side, everybody, you have to come. So what is the next performance that will be here? Well, we're recording this on April 28th, tomorrow night. <laughs> the train hoppers are playing. So we're going to do our vinyl release here tomorrow night, so everyone will miss that. But then we're not. We're off until in June. We have uh, a woman named Colleen Green, okay. who's a pop punk nice. artist. She's solo with electric guitar and a drum machine. She's outstanding. It's like I'm stunned that she's playing in Fort Wayne and that she's playing here. And then we have a band in uh, July 5th, a band from uh, Brooklyn, so some of you know a lot, a lot of it's kind of solo acoustic. These next two are going to be you know more loud or more lush in their mm. arrangement. So that's great. Yeah, man, you just have so much on your plate. Out of all the ways that you spend your time, what is your favorite job or activity? Well, I like just hanging out with my kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I do. I feel like I have a lot on my plate, but I I feel like I have a really good 
balance. balance. I feel like, you know, I don't have a work-life balance in the sense of, because I don't really separate work from life. I've been fortunate or cursed in that way, but it's like, work is fun for me. Right. You know, the people I work with are kind of my social circle. Yeah. I hope that sounds cool and not sad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I also am very disciplined in, like I, I used to work late at night. And sometimes I guess do after people are in bed, but I t- I will get in early so that I can get out at an appropriate time. Right. Be, I just want to ride bikes with my kids or listen to them sing or watch them draw or play games and, and hopefully and share what we're doing here with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was the beautiful thing about the train hopper album is as we would record ideas every week. We're all just like recording them on our phones or on our own on our phones and then shooting them around via email or whatever. And so... I would play that for my kids, like we're going to school and everything. So they actually got to be part of this thing coming to life and how it changed. And again, I think it was just good for them, like creatively, like, hey, wait, that sounded different last week. Why did you change it? Why is it okay to change it? Mm -hmm. And I think that's just been like really exciting to be able to kind of share that with them. And that was not something that any of us did the first go round. Right. Because they were babies or they didn't exist yet. (laughs) (laughs) But all of it's it's all it's all fun and wonderful. Yeah. In November of twenty thirteen, you were interviewed for a Faces of the Fort blog post by Living Fort Wayne, and something you said really stood out to me. In response to a question about the progress of growing Fort Wayne, you said, I understand we're doing this for the children and the children's children, but I'm not gonna lie, I'd like to enjoy it myself too. These things take a lot of hard work by hundreds and hundreds of hands. And it seems to me that we've got stronger hands on the job now than ever before. And that's awesome. So I'm totally with you. I look at some of the projects that we're moving forward with and become overwhelmed with eagerness. Yeah. What advice do you have for the slightly impatient, hopeful (laughs) community members like myself? And is there anything we can do to help? Yeah. Thanks for going back to that interview because I forgot all about (laughs) that statement. You know, in fact, like when I was thinking about that one in particular, a lot of that was probably about the trails, you know, I love love biking, we love cycling and I'm a runner. So I like the And there's things that I did, they just can't develop those fast enough, you know, and it is like, while I'm still running, I want to be able to run on, you know, when they're finally done. So there's certain, there are aspects of that stuff that needs to be built, land that needs to be acquired. There's a ton of that. Like, I think all of us who are excited about the riverfront are going to have to like, this crazy <laughs> patience on that, right? Yeah. Trying to acquire land and then build stuff and, and phase one and all the phases and stuff. And it's like, boy, we live in a culture now that's like I wanted it yesterday. Now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, man, that's one thing that's going to – it's it's difficult. So for me, I think that I try to find smaller, neater things that are happening that take less time to get off the ground that yeah. can be great. And we try to make some of those things happen with – things we do here at the B-side and everything. Yeah. But, like, I get really stoked about, like, seeing what's happening at Wunderkammer yeah. or more and more the outdoor festivals and the things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of, like, creating this scene or the small, the pop-up stuff, right? So before there was Ash Skyline, there were pop-up shops. And yeah. there were things that, like, you can see activity. And that's what's so cool about what's Riverfront Fort Wayne and Allison Gerardo, like, all the programming that's happening there because – you know, they know that they have to fill in before there are actually like physical things there that you can do. There's going to be activity. Yeah. And so I think a big thing that we can all do is just get out and support that stuff and experience it and then spread the word about it and stay excited about it too. Yeah. And 
and B, I think it's just kind of like being positive. Yeah. It's so easy to get negative about <laughs> it. Some of the things, like I just brought up trails and riverfront, there's like, a, you know, there are probably like political elements to that too because of mm-hmm. the way things are paid for and that can start bumming you out. It's like, can't we just do this, you know? So it's staying positive. <laughs> we got to stay positive. Yes. You know? And I also think I just like my one general mantra I have about like that I would like to see from Fort Wayne and it's easy to not do this. And so I have to challenge myself to do it too, but it's just to experience new things. And right. so that's one night a month or one night every other month. If yeah. you experience like 12 things you've never done, but like a style of music or a, you've never been to cinema center, if you've never been to the arena dinner theater, it's just do something you've never done before. I think mm-hmm. if Fort Wayne, if, if that were one of our personality traits, mm-hmm. we're people who like to do stuff we've never done before. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, because I think that's, Sometimes you hear that, you know, you're in the arts community and you hear like, we've got, you know, world-class assets here. Like, how do we tell the story of what we've already got? Not even just what we're going to have, but what we've already got. And part of it is just like a self-appreciation and a self-sense of adventure. And I do Mm -hmm. think that we silo ourselves into what we're comfortable with, where we know what to expect. Yeah, I've noticed that we're growing and we're creating more events for these people who say that they want more events. However, they're not used to having the more events. I don't think that they have learned how to support it in their calendars yet. So I'm hoping to see more input from the community as we continue to create these awesome events. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I usually end all my podcasts with a quote. You are a pool of knowledge, and I know that quotes are very important to you. Would you mind sharing one of your favorite quotes with us? Oh, really? Yes. Uh, So many I like. (laughs) We have two that we display here at OLG. One's in front of us right now here at the B-Center conference room table where it's a Bruce Springsteen quote about when he made his his fourth album, which was Darkness on the Edge of Town. And this is one, like, you read a little history about Bruce, like they spent years on the album and wrote and recorded, like, 70, 80 songs for a 10-song album. And it drove about, drove the band insane. Like, nothing was quite enough. But it, So his quote was, more than rich, more than famous, more than happy, I want it to be great. I felt that about Bruce, and he said that recently in an in a interview about that album, but I've, before he ever said it, I think that's what I felt about him, right. that drive and that pursuit. So it was nice that when he finally articulated it. And then the other that we have on the wall is He Not Busy Being Born is Busy Dying mm. by Bob Dylan from yep. a song called It's All Right, Ma. And that idea, He Not Busy Being Born is Busy Dying, does drive us. I, I said we don't want easy days. Mm-hmm. I, I think complacency is the absolute worst thing. Yep. Professionally, like I don't want complacency. And so right. we sh- shake it up and challenge ourselves and never, you know, like we don't want to do it the same way we've done it before. Yeah. And we don't want to be able to phone it in. And, and we want to grow. We want to help our clients grow. We want to be busy being born. Yeah. And that's... A challenge. It's just. It's a challenge every morning when you see that, right? It's a challenge to all of us, but it's it's driven us. I want Fort Wayne to say that, right? Yeah. I want Fort Wayne to say, "Are we busy being born, busy?" Oh, I love dying, it. Right. That's perfect. It's really easy in the arts community to be putting things out there and feel the negative effects of sharing those yeah. intimate thoughts, feelings, and work. So when we can be positive as also members of the arts community and share our struggles and encouraging words, it's really helpful. So yeah. thank you so much for yeah. that. Thanks. And thank you for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. Honored to be part of the, the roster who has been part of this podcast. It's great. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thanks. We'll have to do it again. Yeah. Thank you.
Don't forget to check out Dance Contemporary at the B-Side on Friday, May 20th. Catch DK two more times this summer at the Embassy during the Rooftop Series, Wednesday, July 6th, and again during Taste of the Arts, Friday, August 26th. And check out Matt and the legendary Train Hoppers at the Brass Rail on June 9th. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. That's a wrap. See you.